Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but this podcast is so delightful. And if you got no place to go, listen to Judo Chop Suey Show. Yuletide greetings and salutations to everybody out there in podcast land. This is the Judo Chop Suey Podcast, and I'm your host on this very special holiday edition of the podcast, Judo Dave Roman. What makes this special? I don't really know. I'm just playing this different music in the background. That's all. This is not going to be a podcast about Christmas or anything like that. Even though I kind of like the holiday seasons these days, I'm not as much of a Scrooge as I used to be. So on this episode of this esteemed podcast, I'm going to talk a little bit about promotions. I want to have a a revisit the discussion on Nage no Kata, uh, probably from my perspective on performing Nage no Kata. But first, I want to talk about a great training session that I had earlier today at Ebor City Jiu-Jitsu Club, which is the place that, as uh, many of you know by now, that I do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu at. I'm sure maybe a few of you haven't listened in a while saying, what, Dave, doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? Oh, my God. Yeah, you know, it's true. I am doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I've been doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for the past three months there. You're all caught up. Thank you very much. Oh, and not only that, I actually purchased my very first Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu gi, which is... Uh, one of those Amazon specials that I got for like 50 bucks or so. But it's nice and lightweight. So as I joked around on my Instagram, uh, I now have the power to defend any throw from any judoka by just sitting down. <laughs> oh, and just to be clear, when I said earlier today, I'm talking about uh, Sunday, December 2nd. That's the time that I'm recording this section of the podcast, if you guys need to know that. All right, where was I? The train, The open mat session was a lot of fun today. There were probably about 25 to 30 adults of all uh, age ranges and shapes and sizes. As usual, I was probably one of the smallest guys there. But we had a lot of fun. There was a lot of Rondori, probably at least uh, a half hour's worth of Rondori, which which led into the open mat for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu that they have at that club at you know right around 1 o'clock p.m. So if you local listeners want to do roll some Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, there's an open mat session at Ybor City. But, um, but yeah, there's probably, yeah, I probably managed to get in about, uh, five rounds around Dory. They were fairly quick rounds, but I'm going to be posting a video of, uh, you know, what the session looked like on my Instagram and you could follow me on Instagram, which is at La Vida Judoka. As I said before, I'll say it again. My Instagram is awesome. Oh, and before I forget, I'd like to give a special shout out to Simon and Mark and, and a few of the other people that I met today who are also listeners of this hideous podcast. I really appreciate you that you guys tune in and listen and, and gave me some uh, uh, very good feedback. I, I, I love meeting the listeners, uh, not only just today, but uh, when I was out at JudoCon, there were several people that came up to me and introduced themselves, say, hey, I listen to your podcast. And that's really cool. I, I never thought of myself as somebody that people would uh, want to actually talk to or something, but they do. And it, it's cool. It's cool to meet new people. So uh, thank you very much for, for checking out the podcast. And thank you to all of you who, uh, who have uh, continued to listen to this podcast over, gosh, uh, did I... You know, I think I missed the two-year anniversary of this podcast. I, I'm not even sure when that is, but I know it's been two years. That's that's quite a long time. I'm I'm surprised I'm still doing this thing. But um, yeah, so happy belated birthday to the podcast. Thank you very much. All right, moving along. I want to talk about a promotion uh, that happened at JudoCon that I neglected to talk about in my last episode. 
and it was a promotion in Nidon. Well, we're moving on now. Uh, it's me! I got promoted to Nidon! Yes, it's true. I wanted to hold off on announcing this on the podcast until I absolutely knew for sure. There was a process involved that I wanted to make sure that I followed you know, crossed every I, dotted every T, or, or flip that around, whatever the case may be. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I got promoted to Nidon, and the paperwork should be coming through the mail uh, any day now, I would imagine. So here's the deal. Uh, I might have talked about this on earlier episodes, but a part of the reason why I went to JudoCon is because I wanted the opportunity to test for Nidon. And this was something that I had been talking about with uh, Sensei Steve Scott, and who is one of the people that runs things with AAU Judo. And certainly, if you guys are familiar with Welcome Matt Steve Scott and the International Freestyle Judo Alliance, which is something that I've talked about many times on this podcast. I've had Steve on uh, numerous occasions. But when JudoCon was announced and when I found out that there was going to be an opportunity to have uh, rank tests happening at the convention. I talked to Steve back probably in May or June, and I said, look, I just want an opportunity to test. That's all I want. I'm not asking for a promotion. I'm asking for an opportunity to test. So now here's the thing that I want to get into. There's so much I want to talk about regarding this because I think it speaks to a greater issue on... And maybe this is a local issue, but on how promotions have been handled in Florida on my experience alone. And I just want to make it perfectly clear that I'm talking about my experience with promotions and not how promotions are done as a whole. So promotions in Florida, on my experience, is largely a paperwork issue when it comes to USA Judo. Now... I'm not saying that people who are promoted to Shodan in Florida are not worthy of that rank because they have to have the points, they have to have the you know the the experience, they have to have the ability for sure. But it came to find out many many years ago that in other countries and heck in in other states promotions are done in front of an independent panel that not only judge your uh, judo ability, but they judge your your ability in kata. And that was not my experience. And I'm specifically talking to, sh- uh, when I got promoted to Shodan, that was not my experience. I, I basically had uh, uh, volunteer points, competition points, um, time and grade, I, I guess. And most importantly, I had the support of my coaches, my training partners, and other observers that felt that I was deserving of the rank of Shodan. This was uh, over eight years ago. So my promotion was signed off by Sensei Scott Ferry, who I will always be grateful for, uh, to for promoting me to Shodan and and recognizing what many other people had already suggested that I that they felt I was at, uh, at that level. However, that did not stop some people from trying to take away. Uh, my rank, and I'm not meaning take away by force or anything like that, but trying to diminish the hard work and the effort that I put into earning that showdown uh, over eight years ago. And and let me tell you something, I hate to admit it, but that bothered me a lot. 
because they weren't there when I was doing 500 Uchikomi a night in my backyard when nobody was watching. They weren't there when I was training through literally torn groin muscles, torn hamstring muscles, uh, shoulder injuries. They weren't there for any of that. They weren't there for all the extra time that I put into working at judo and trying to improve outside of regular club hours. So you have a few people out there who looked at how fast I earned the showdown and they thought to themselves, well, this guy can't be legit. But they weren't there to see all the literal blood, sweat, and tears uh, that I put into working hard to earn that rank. And I will always be grateful for Sensei Scott Ferry, uh, Sensei Carlos LaSalle, uh, certainly my my coach and and uh, great friend uh, Dave Middendorf. You know all of those people. I they had my or I had their support, um, but there were a few people out there that questioned the rank. And I thought I think it's not only offensive to me, uh, but certainly offensive to the people that uh, were there that observed my uh, ability and and believed that I was deserving of that rank. I never asked for it. I just worked hard. I worked hard every day and I earned it. But this time around, I didn't want any question marks. And I didn't want to rank a, a, a promotion to Nidon to be a promotion where it was done through paperwork and, and that kind of thing. I wanted to be tested for this rank. Now, I know that you guys know, or maybe you don't know, AAU Judo is a small judo organization that is not recognized in terms of rank by the other three organizations in the United States. When it comes to USA Judo rank, I'm still a Shodan. But when it comes to AAU Judo, I am a Nidan now. And I am perfectly happy with that because when I was tested for Nidan, it was done so by an independent evaluator, somebody that didn't know me a thing. I mean, I knew, I know him. It's uh, Sensei James Wall from Wall to Wall Martial Arts out in, oh, what's the place in Louisiana? Near Baton Rouge. Oh, sorry, James. I can't remember. Uh, Denham Springs. That's right. I knew it would come to me. Where was I? Yeah, so I know James through the podcast and through some of the posts that he's put up on the on the Freestyle Judo uh, Facebook page. But up until JudoCon, I didn't know him personally. He didn't know anything to me. So he conducted a test. Uh, actually, he surprised me with a test. So let me back up a bit. I was preparing to do Nage no Kata on video because given the time frame that we had at JudoCon, to do a, 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 a test that included kata demonstration would have really taken hours, and that's not the kind of time that we had. As, as it is, the, the, the examination for the technical examination probably took me over two hours uh, because, we, because there were two other people testing as well. But, but it, in terms of time, it probably took about two hours or so, maybe a little bit longer. So working in kata with that mat space with so many people on the mat, it just wasn't going to be possible. So I was given the option to record on video my nage no kata. However, I needed to get this done before JudoCon, and I couldn't get it done. I had a date scheduled uh, with my good friend, Judo Joe Kaiser, who I'll have on a podcast at some point again, but 
we had a date set and and plans fell through and that's that's just life and I went into JudoCon thinking I wasn't going to test. I, I, I let James know. I said, hey, I just couldn't get the video done. The, the timing just wasn't working to work. And it's unfortunate, but that's just the way it goes sometimes with, with life. So, And he understood. So I went out to JudoCon just looking forward to meeting all the great people and taking part in all the seminars. And that's when I was asked to be an uke for a fellow protesting for his uh, uh, Yodan, that's uh, Lester Martell. I, I talked about him on my last episode. And while I was being his uke, James had asked me to start demonstrating a lot of the same things that Lester was demonstrating. And I gave it a go. I didn't realize I was going to be tested on the spot. I was completely unprepared, <laughs> quite frankly. Well, not I shouldn't say unprepared. I was surprised, but I certainly was I certainly was prepared because well, heck, I've been doing judo for 12 years, you know what I mean? If after this amount of time you can't demonstrate, you know, the majority of the throws in a judo syllabus, then then you got to wonder what the heck you're doing. But anyway, so I demonstrated uh, a, a lot of throws. I de demonstrated a lot in the waza. I know James had seen me move and seen me do Rondori uh, the Thursday night that I got in. So I was independently evaluated and I performed. I, I managed to do the Nage no Kata video for him and I submitted that and it was good enough. And I'm going to get into Nage no Kata because there's a lot that I want to talk about uh, with regards to that kata and the challenges that I faced uh, while learning it. So I am very proud of this rank, not only because I worked hard for it, but I was independently evaluated against standards that are comparable and, and maybe even tougher than some standards uh, with other judo organizations around the world. I, they're certainly comparable to the judo organizations in the United States. And I know like the USJA and the USJF, they do have independent promotion boards. Uh, at least that's my understanding. USA judo, not so much because, well, I, I, I really don't know. I, you know, for Shodan, I, I, I didn't have to go in front of an independent panel to have my judo evaluated, but I didn't want to go through that again. And as I've said many times on this podcast, I I respect Steve Scott and I respect the standards set forth by the Judo Black Belt Association. And, you know, this is a very vibrant organization online. I don't think anybody puts out more Judo videos than Steve Scott. And if you go on the Facebook pages, it's, it's a very vibrant community. We're all trying to learn from each other. We're all trying to spread uh, judo uh, in our in our local areas and and uh, we're all very e excited about what this this uh, can become and to be very clear this rank for me is a very personal thing because of really what I talked about before so it, but this isn't one of those type of things where I'm going to go into other clubs and make sure that in the lineup I'm standing in front of all the showdown like that's that's not my deal I, I really don't care about that. This rank is a very personal thing to me, and I'm very proud of it. I'm very proud of the effort that I put forth to, to earn this rank, and I earned it. Nobody can take this one away from me. You could, you know, people can criticize, well, the few. There was really only a few, but it, it, still, it still bothered me a lot because of all the sacrifices that I made. But nobody can take this one away from me. I earned it, and I'm going very proud of it. And, um, 
yeah, that's it. So moving on, I want to talk about Nagi no Kata in relation to this test. And again, I don't know if this is a Florida thing or if this is a national thing or if this is going on around the world. I don't know of any clubs that regularly practice kata. And look, I'm sure many out there that do, but certainly I'm not aware of local clubs, maybe save for one, but I, I really can't be a part of that club for a couple of reasons, mainly because you have to have YMCA membership and I'm not going to do that. But anyway, apart from that club, I don't know of any other place that teaches Nage no Kata. And it's kind of, it really makes things difficult because if nobody teaches Nage no Kata, how are you expected to learn it? Well, I took on that challenge and let me tell you, learning Nage no Kata on my own and then trying to teach uh, Judo Joe on his role as Uke was by far the most challenging endeavor I have ever experienced in Judo. Shocking, right? But, but it was. I, when I, uh, again, when I talked to Steve Scott... Uh, many, many months ago about uh, testing for Nidan, you know, he said that I had to have my Nage no Kata be solid. And I mean, I studied video. I, I pause, rewind, pause, rewind, look at the foot here, look at the foot there. And, and then trying to not only learn it for myself, but, you know, teach my good friend Joe on, on his role. Man, that was the hardest thing I have ever done in judo. I, I just, I, I couldn't believe how difficult it was. And Joe and I probably practiced over, over the past six months. We would spend 20 minutes here, 30 minutes there. We'd miss a couple weeks. We'd try again. I mean, we piecemealed this thing. And then when it came to capturing this on video, we had to do a couple of takes because there were a couple of screw-ups. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to post a video of my Nagino Kata. I'm very pleased with how it ended up given the circumstances. But if the Kodokan, uh, the Nagino Kata demonstrated by the Kodokan is the standard, uh, my Nagino Kata was far below that standard. And that's, that's kind of the standard I set for myself. And... That's a standard that I would challenge anybody doing kata that they set for themselves because I just think kata should be much more than something we brush up on when a promotion is coming up. And I see for myself how beneficial learning kata is for your overall judo development, especially if you're just a recreational guy like myself. None of this kata talk really applies to people that go to real competition clubs. And I'm not, I'm, when I mean real competition clubs, I mean places that really travel or they've got guys that compete on the international circuit. There's a lot of places out there that think they're a competition club, but they're not. To them, I would say, you know, know who you are. And make sure that you're teaching your students all of judo and, and not just the latest competition tricks or whatever the case may be. And please understand, I'm not putting any clubs on blast or, or, or anything like that. I'm just trying to stress the point that if you're a recreational club, it's really important to teach all of judo. Perhaps if I was more diligent in pursuing uh, more knowledge on kata and and trying to get better at throws that I wasn't very good at. 
perhaps by this time I could have already been a Sandan. I know there are many people that it may take them six years to get a Shodan, a, a, another two to three years to get their Nidan. And then if things really move fast, they, they could be working on their Sandan with the amount of time that, that I've been involved in Judo. I've certainly known people that have been involved in Judo for as long as I have, and they already have earned their Sandan, probably through competition mostly. But and, and this is a lesson that I, I kind of learned throughout the eight years of being a Shodan. You know, when you first get that black belt, you, you know, you're, you're very proud of it. You, you think you could pull chicks with it, but you really can't. But you, on the match, you're really proud of the effort you put forth in getting that rank. So you kind of just visit clubs, Rondori, have fun, you know, enjoy being a Shodan. You know, you go to classes, you learn something and this and that. But, you know, that's pretty much what I did for a very long time. And I never really gave much thought to earning my next rank until really I started getting older and I started slowing down and I started realizing that, well, I I need to have enough rank to be able to teach and to be able to promote. Uh, at the very least, if I ever wanted to be a, a club sensei, that um, I would need to be th- to have the ability to recommend up to Shodan. I, I believe that's very important. So I started thinking about my long- long-term goals of what I wanted to do in judo, and I decided it was time for me to try and, and, and get that promotion or earn that promotion, which is what it brings me back to Nage no Kata, that I've learned a lot about the Kata, there are many points that I can improve on, and if I didn't say it before, I'll say it again. I am not going to share the video of my Nage no Kata. I, I just, uh, I'm, I'm proud of the effort that we both did, but that one's going to either stay in the closet or uh, maybe I'll, if it ever gets on VHS, I'll, I'll do that and then burn the tape just, just for the sake of burning the tape. Now it's time for me to learn Katame no Kata. And I have a renewed set of goals. I would, um, I'm going to be 44 years old next month. I would like to earn a Sandan by the time I'm 50. I think that's somewhat reasonable if my body holds up, which it should. And I'm still going to continue working on Nage no Kata. In fact, I want to offer, <laughs> not that too many people locally listen to this, but I want to be the guy that can help people with their Nage no Kata. I, I really do because nobody should have to face the kind of challenges that I face. Nobody should face that. And I'm not a proper Kata teacher, but I think I know a lot more about it than many people locally around here, even people that outrank me. I I'm, I'm, hate to even say that or even suggest that, but I, I do believe that's true. And if I didn't say it before, I firmly believe that Practicing Nage no Kata has improved my overall judo. Take take this for example, Yoko Wakari. I've talked about that many times. It's something that that I've become quite proficient at. I do that throw equally as well on both left and right sided. And there are other throws that I now do as well on my left side that I do on my right side. And that wasn't the case six months ago. I think my left-sided Iponse and Nagi improved. I think my left-sided Uchimata improved for sure. And I think overall, attempting throws on the left side doesn't feel nearly as foreign as it used to feel. 
And I directly attribute that to the kata. And, you know, the thing is, too, man, what makes Nagino kata so hard is that there's no room for personal interpretation. Like, there are throws that I do pretty well, but I do them well because I fit them to work with my own body type and my own flexibility ranges and things along those lines. There's no such thing as that in Nagino kata. There is a right way and there is a wrong way. And I'm telling you, even the people that are excellent in judo, if they don't know Nage no Kata, they would have a tough time learning it, especially if it was on their own. Because it's it's not just about the throws. It, it, doing the Kata from beginning to end is something that has to be learned and practiced many times. It's tough. I I When I first started doing it, I figured, ah, this might take me a couple weeks to nail down and I should be good to go. Not even close. And it wasn't really because of the individual throws themselves. Yeah, I could could do Ippon Sayanagi. I can do, you know, Uki Atoshi. That's not hard. The throws themselves are not hard to execute. Uh, Well, Uranagi was very hard to execute. I had to do what I would call or what other people call a soft Uranagi because... I think Uranage and Nage no Kata, it, it, the way that it's demonstrated by, by the elite competitors and by the way that it's demonstrated in the Kodakan video, that's not easy to do without proper instruction. And, and again, learning it on my own, I did not have proper instruction. I've already said that. But there was that throw in particular, I thought that was too much risk uh, for me to mess up. Um, especially working with a training partner that didn't really know Nage no Kata either. So we decided to do a soft version of Uranage in, in that instance. But doing it just how it's done in, in that you see in the high-level videos, it's not easy. It is just not easy at all. And I, I hope to continue to work on it. Well, I will continue to work on it. I hope that there will be kata clinics sometime next year that I can be a part of and and learn more about this kata because I really believe it it has helped my overall judo development and I encourage all of you out there maybe with the exception of the truly elite guys and and even the elite veterans but I I I encourage all of you to to give it a chance you're you're going to be better at judo if you practice it I guarantee it and there's one more thing I want to talk about in regards to kata that, uh, and I, this will be the last of it for now. While learning nage no kata, I picked up a book called Judo Formal Techniques. It's it's a book that I'm sure anybody that's been around in judo for some time has heard of and or read. Well, I I have not read it up until maybe three four months ago. I I found it at uh, a really awesome bookstore in downtown St. Petersburg and. I've often heard that this was the book for the entire Rondori no Kata, which is, of course, Nage no Kata and Katame no Kata. So I picked it up and I've I've read bits and pieces of the book. And I hate to say that I've read bits and pieces of the book because that implies that I'm just picking and choosing subjects that I want to read up on. And that's not really the case. A lot of times I find myself reading several books at a time. Um, I have used this book as a means to improve on some areas of my Nage no Kata, but I've also spent some time reading up on the the history of Kata, and it's really fascinating. I, I know I've talked very, very briefly about Don Drager, who is one of the authors of this book, and 
Drager is a guy that I've often heard about over the over the years, and there's something about this guy that was very different uh, compared to many other people that were influential in judo in the United States. I'm shocked that he's only a godan in judo, and that could be because he spent his entire life learning a variety of Japanese martial arts and not just judo. But his knowledge and his research and his expertise on the subject of kata and judo is just nothing short of remarkable. And I, I'm just really blown away. This this is not going to be a formal book review by any means. Maybe one day I'll do a formal book review of judo formal techniques. But when reading through the history of judo, and the importance of kata and why things done are uh, why things are done a certain way it's it really struck me that there of all the judo books that i've read nobody has written judo or about judo in a way that don drager did in this book and it's just so different it's it's really 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 something else something that is just not very common but his understanding of of Certain principles, certainly of the Japanese culture, is is one that um, that's really impressive. I would like to read a small portion of the book, which comes from the historical background section of Judo Formal Techniques, and it, it it goes to show you that one again, Don Drager was a very researched person, especially when it comes to Kodokan Judo, and he very even though he did not know Kano personally, he very much understood what Kano's intent was. For creating judo and especially especially um, judo kata, so he 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 writes here. It is evident that Kano was unshaken in his belief that physical education must be performed not for the sake of physical culture alone, but as a means of properly guiding the young in the development of a wholesome personality. He established judo as an integral part of schools of school physical physical education on the basis of what he called the three culture principle this suggests a balanced approach to education and consists of intellectual moral and physical disciplines kano's emphasis on the harmony of the three elements he was against any form of education which lacked this harmony his notebooks are replete with critical observations which are applicable today now mind you this was written in the uh this book was written in the 80s, but what Kano is stating here was written nearly 100 years ago. Not all of those practicing judo are doing it in earnest as a means of promoting physical education. Special attention must be paid in order to not overexert any part of the body. The formation of untoward habits or functional disability must be carefully avoided. In order to practice judo as a means of physical education, special attention must be paid to the care of the health. Now, continuing on, Drager writes... Modern-day judo training, in regard, in disregard of Kano's cautions, have come to have only the purpose of developing contest skills and the contest champion. By such a deliberate narrowing of the founder's intention for judo, untold harm is being done to its practitioners. Not only are trainees unable to get the fullest benefits from judo, but often they suffer injuries. Only when the emphasis on contest judo is lessened and returned to its proper perspective, as intended by the founder, will judo function as a healthful physical education. Now, those are pretty strong words by Drager, and he continues by stating, Through an emphasis on kata, 
Kano was able to transform mere exercise for the development of judo skills into beneficial and purposeful physical education. The modern-day judo practitioner must respect the rightful place of kata training within his judo training methods. We learn from the founder's notes, in order to practice judo with this object of physical education in mind, one must choose the techniques which allow uniform motion in every part of the body. What is deficient in Rondori must be supplemented by kata. Drager continues by stating, From such a lucid notation, we can see the importance of which Kano attached to Kodokan Judo Kata. He obviously did not limit his Judo to the narrow mind, which is a Judo built solely on the basis of Rondori and contest. Rather, Kano laid stress on the harmonious inclusion of Kata in all training programs. Now, I'm not going to be reading anymore, but I got to say... <laughs> I've never read a book on judo that talks about judo and kata in this way at all. And it seems that much of what Kano was concerned about when it comes to what judo could become did in fact happen. Now, I'm not making the argument that what judo is today uh, across all levels of judo is somehow lesser. But just in reading that little snippet there, it's clear that what judo has become today for the majority of people is not quite what Kano intended for Judo to become. And I, look, I'm not making the argument that that's a bad thing, and I'm not making the argument that that's a good thing. I'm just stating what's written here. So, again, this is not going to be a, a formal book review. I would love to do that one day, but today is not going to be that day. But I just wanted to give you a little teaser into the mind of Don Drager and, and how he wrote on the subject of Judo. And it's just, it's really different. It's not about, you know... This is how you do Sayanagi or or this is how you get a specific grip or this is where you place your hip to do Uchimata. It, it just the the history here being espoused is is just remarkable. And if any of you listening have any suggestions on books that are written in this way that that are not just books about technique and how to do you know, like I said, Ipon Sayanagi, but really talk about the history of judo. If you guys have any recommendations, please feel free to email me. Uh, if you don't know the email address, it's judochopsuishow at gmail.com. So I highly recommend that if you are interested in learning kata at all, I should have bought this book seven, eight months ago. Really, I should have probably bought this book 10 years ago, but I, I didn't because no one really told me about it. I just, I have Best Judo. That was the very first book that I got. And Best Judo is, I think, uh, one of the best judo books ever written in terms of how to do techniques, more of a kind of a how-to book. And I have a few of the Masterclass series, which is also excellent, uh, especially the ones on Tayatoshi and Uchimata. But again, they don't; those books don't talk about Judo in, in this way. It's, it, this is very different and, and in some ways very refreshing. So highly recommend it. Now, before I wrap things up on this holiday edition of the Judo Chop Suey podcast, I want to talk about ways that you guys can help support the podcast. It's it's something that a lot of you over the past two years now have asked me. You know, can we send you money or, or or support the podcast in some way? And I've I've hesitated on asking for money by per se or setting up some kind of Patreon because I I just don't have the time to do extra bonus content or things like that. So I. I've been trying to, it shouldn't have taken me two years, but I, I've been trying to think about ways that, you know, gosh, how could you, the listener, give back to this podcast? Well, here is, I'm going to offer a way if you guys are interested 
So as you know, I have been talking about CBD and using CBD products for not only pain management and pain relief, but but also for uh, different things related to, I, I don't want to say again, like I've said it before, I don't want to sound like I'm some kind of super high, strong, anxious guy, but but certainly over the past three, four months that I've been taking CBD products, I've been... Um, my life has kind of improved in, in different areas, certainly with the pain management uh, part of it, and um, it helps me train. It, it does. It, uh, it keeps inflammation down. And just to give you an example, about probably about 10, 12 years ago, I, uh, during judo training, my, I broke my ring finger on my left hand. I actually happen to have a video of that. But um, whenever my joints are swollen, I can't put, my, I can't put any rings on that finger. Um, however, when I take CBD, I am able to put the rings on my finger or, or my, my wedding band on my finger. And, and I know some of you may be thinking, oh, gee, what's the big deal? You can't put your wedding band on your finger. Well, I just wanted to give you an example of how the product helps me with inflammation in my body. That's probably the most obvious way of explaining how it works without you know, just being generic and saying, oh yeah, it helps with inflammation, but I wanted to give a specific example. So going back to how you can support the show on the podcast show notes, I'm going to provide a link to a referral code for the company that I use to get my CBD products. Just recently, I bought myself some CBD isolate so I can make my own CBD tinctures. It's a, it's a lot cheaper to go that route. Um, but in terms of this company, it's CB Distillery. That's the company that I use. And not only their products are their products uh, fantastic, but they are by far the most budget-friendly products on the market, uh, without question. And as I said earlier, the company I use is called CB Distillery. You can go there, www.cbdistillery.com. That's the company I've decided to go with. So the way you can support this podcast if any of you listening are ever interested in purchasing CBD for yourself to, to experience some of the same type of health benefits that I've experienced, I'm going to provide a referral code. And all you got to do is just use that referral code if you order anything from there. And I'm going to get a little bit in return. That's it. So in a way, by helping yourself, you're going to be helping me in the process. All right, so I think that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. I appreciate you all tuning in. Now, in terms of IJF World Tour events, the next major event, the Tel Aviv Grand Prix, is going to be taking place on January 24th, and it's going to last all the way through the 26th. This is going to be a first of its kind for Israel, and not only is Israel getting Grand Prix, it's my understanding as well that there will also be a Grand Prix event in Montreal um, in 2019 as well. I'm not exactly sure when that is. I believe it's going to take place uh, in uh, sometime during the summer. And I think that's great because I think we need more major IJF events on this side of the world. It'll be great for certainly the, the athletes, Team USA, to be able to uh, get points without having to travel overseas to to earn them. And I think it's good for Canada as a whole. I, I know Canada is 
is a fairly strong uh, country for judo, and I think it's great that they've been awarded with a Grand Prix. It's 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 good to have something in in their backyard for those athletes. And you know, it, it, given that these events um, offer points, obviously toward the Olympics, that this is the going into 2019. I gotta believe for for many of the strong countries out there that they're going to need all the points uh, that they can get. So I anticipate the Tel Aviv Grand Prix and the uh, the Grand Prix in Montreal to be heavily uh, populated for sure. So that's a good thing for exposure and certainly a good thing for TV. So, all right. So with that, I hope you all have a great day. I hope you all have a great rest of the week. Train hard. Stay safe out there. And until next time, I'm out. Open Gangnam Style.